Hi, and welcome into another edition of the Russell Street Report. I'm Tony Lombardi. The Ravens fell to 7-6 on the season after losing to the Kansas City Chiefs at Arrowhead Stadium 27-24 in a heartbreaking defeat. But the Ravens still have hopes of winning the AFC North as they sit just a half game behind the Pittsburgh Steelers, who were upset by the Oakland Raiders in Oakland. So that leaves the Ravens a half game back at 7-6 to the Steelers 7-5-1. and Odds makers think that by 8 o'clock on Sunday night, the Ravens will be in first place because the Ravens are eight-point favorites over the Tampa Bay Bucks, while the, the host Pittsburgh Steelers are running from a point to a two-and-a-half-point underdog at Heinz Field. Speaking of the Steelers, former Steelers running back Rocky Blyer isn't very confident about the Steelers' chances. On 93.7 The Fan in Pittsburgh this Monday, Blyer said, and I quote, with three games remaining, the Steelers' destiny lies in their hands, but it is shaky with the Patriots, Saints, and Bengals on the horizon. How they fare will dictate the team's future, and it may be without Mike Tomlin. Could it be that all four AFC North teams have new head coaches in 2019? Close to home, John Harbaugh continues to play cat and mouse with his starting quarterback. On Monday, John was coy again, sharing this with the media. I think it stands to reason that if Joe is ready to go, then he'll be part of the game plan. He's too good of a player not to be. We'll just figure that out as we go through this week to what degree and how it works. Everybody will know going in, perhaps except everybody outside, mostly unless I change my mind on that. So once again, he's playing coy with the media. Might it be possible for the Ravens to go 9-7 and seven and still make the playoffs. It's possible, but they will need to beat conference opponents, the Chargers and the Browns, and get a little help from others. It's also possible, although not likely, that the Ravens could win out and still not make the playoffs if the Miami Dolphins run the table and finish with a better strength of victory. But make no mistake about it, ladies and gentlemen, Lamar Jackson will be the starter. The Ravens' current formula while not all that exciting to many, provides the best chance for the Ravens to win. He just opens up the running game, and for those who think that Joe Flacco could guide the same rushing attack, we'll explain in a moment why that's just not the case. Fourth and nine, like fourth and 12 a year ago, the Ravens tanked on a big play, a game-changing play that had big ramifications. Wink Martindale he sent his guys after Patrick Mahomes the entire game until it mattered most on fourth and nine. He rushed just four guys, one of which was Brandon Williams. I think he'd like to have a do-over on that one. Hayden Hurst, Hayden Hurst, where art thou, Hayden Hurst? The Ravens' first-round pick has seven catches for 82 yards this season, one of which was a mop-up 26-yard TD catch in Carolina. Given the opportunity cost, namely Derwin James and or DJ Moore, so far, that pick stands out like a Matt Elam. The Ravens host the 5-8 Tampa Bay Bucks this weekend at the bank. Currently, as I mentioned, they are eight-point favorites. There seems to be a lot of off-the-field noise in Tampa, and at the center of the controversy are Jameis Winston and former Raven Ryan Jensen, who apparently had to be separated on the sidelines by the Bucks' offensive line coach. We'll visit with Tom Basinger from the Tampa Bay Times and get the inside skinny on this 
and other developments with the Bucks. We'll take a quick time out, but, but before we do, Matt Waldman, a senior staff writer for Football Guys, walks us through why the Ravens cannot be successful on the ground with Joe Flacco behind center. Why is Lamar Jackson such an aid to the run game? Take a look at this play as an example here. Kenneth Dixon gets up the field here, gets about 11, 12 yards on the play. Why couldn't Joe Flacco do this? Why wouldn't he be an option? Because when we look at this fake, watch how many players, one, two, three, four, the two linebackers and these two defensive backs, they're all waiting here to see if Jackson is going to run to the left side. They're not acting downhill to get to Dixon. On a normal run play, when I say normal, on a run play with Joe Flacco, they're not worried about him running. They're going to basically flow to the ball carrier. So it's going to be more of a horse. They're going to be working more vertically north-south as opposed when it comes to a play-action game. Here they just kind of freeze. Watch how they freeze. They kind of slide up a little bit, but because they're waiting to see if Jackson's going to run outside – each of these guys gets eliminated by a blocker. Even this safety back here, he's not flowing downhill. He's just kind of waiting to see what happens with Jackson and slides outside. That gives Snead a chance to seal him off. That helps at the second level for a guy like Dixon. Also, you get these two blocks into the second level here on the linebackers because they're sliding and waiting on Jackson, and that gives a big crease for Dixon to run through. Let's see if we can watch it one more time. All right, see, see the lineman number one here, and they're all kind of waiting here. This guy slides a little bit outside to see if Lamar Jackson's going to go. And guess who comes up? Yep, another lineman right there. This guy's staying outside to contain the Lamar Jackson. There's the wide receiver, seals that off. Even this defensive back is outside to try and contain Jackson. Now has to come back inside, and he's not going to be able to get there except to maybe wrap the legs a little bit. That's what Lamar Jackson gives to a run game is it forces defenses to hesitate a little bit longer and they can't attack as aggressively. Like 33rd Street was to Colt fans, Russell Street will become legendary for future generations of Raven fans. Not only is Russell Street the team's address on Sunday, it's now home to the website voted Baltimore's best five years in a row. You've known them as Ravens247.com for years, and now you'll love them as RussellStreetReport.com for many more. There's nothing else like it for Baltimore football fans. Trust me, RussellStreetReport.com, Baltimore's home for football 24-7. Hi, and welcome back to the Russell Street Report. I'm Tony Lombardi. Joining us now on the Mobile One Hotline from Tampa, Florida, is Tom Basinger. He covers the Bucks for the Tampa Bay Times. Tom, how are you today? I'm good. Thanks for having me on, Tony. Hey, my pleasure. Got to ask you, Tom, Kim Basinger was one of my favorite actresses for the obvious reasons back in the day. Any relation? <laughs> I, I wish, man. Unfortunately, <laughs> no. No? Okay. <laughs> Had to get that one off my chest. <laughs> so You know, I get, I, get, I get Tom Berenger a lot, too. So, so thank you for at least getting the Bassinger part right. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. It's, it's, so far, it's been a tumultuous season for, for the Bucks, And, you know, they started out a little bit hot with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Got a little tumultuous with Jameis Winston. He's had his good and bad days. 
Which quarterback does the team seem to respond to better? Yeah, that's a that's a good question, and and um, there's um, there's no real uh, clear answer to that because there's there's certain certain players might prefer one player over the other. You know, uh, we know that uh, Deshaun Jackson, of course, early in the season campaigned a, a little bit for uh, for the Bucks to stick with uh, Fitz. Uh, there was that uh, I think NFL Network um, uh, interview uh, where he said uh, that. He'd prefer that the Bucks uh, stick with a hot hand. You know, I think I think that comment was a little overblown, uh, but but you know, there, there, it's clear that there was connection between uh, Jackson and Fitzpatrick that we haven't seen over the past couple of seasons with uh, with uh, with Winston. Uh, but we we also know that, for example, Mike Evans and Jameis Winston are, are pretty tight. You know, I've, I've talked a, a few times with Mike Evans about uh, their relationship, and he sees it as kind of a, a LeBron and, and, and Dwayne Wade thing. So, you know, we know that uh, they're pretty uh, tightly knit. So, uh, you know, it in the end, right, it comes down to who's winning football games. And, and most whoever's winning football games, whoever's doing things that, that help the the overall team. Some guys might have their their individual, um, you know, uh, motivations, uh, but uh, but in the end, they're going to want the guy who's who's going to give them the chance to win. I seem to recall back when the Tampa Bay Bucks were featured on Hard Knocks that Jameis Winston just seemed like the consummate leader. Was that just for show or for the cameras, or is that pretty much that way in that locker room? Yeah, you know, I I think. You know what we've seen this season is is a Jameis Winston that's a little bit more uh, even keel. Uh, you know we saw a lot of the rah rah stuff in uh, in Hard Knocks and then uh, with uh, with uh, with the poems and and uh, almost almost like a preacher even. And then in uh, you know it carried through into the regular season. You know everybody remembers the uh, the eating W's episode in uh, in New Orleans. Um, but, but, but since, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's toned it down more. You don't, he's still a very emotional player. Um, but we've, we've seen, you know, there, there's no more, you know, pregame sermons from, from Jameis Winston. You know, he's, he's a lot more, um, uh, I, 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 I'd even use the word calm. It seems a guy who's not so calm and he wasn't calm as a Baltimore Raven, Ryan Jensen, you signed him as a free agent this offseason, and he's had probably an up-and-down season for the Bucks. Talk about his play on the field. I know he's a feisty player. I think he leads your team in penalties and personal fouls, which is no surprise to Ravens fans. But talk about him as a player and then describe what happened on that sideline this past Sunday against the Saints when he and James were kind of going at it. Yeah, you know the, the the Bucks knew what they were they were getting with uh, with Ryan Jensen, and th- that's what they felt they they needed along the offensive line. Uh, they they felt like they needed some attitude, a guy who plays with a with a chip on his shoulder, um, you know, and and they want that, but at the same time they they want it want it to a point, right? You know, I, you're you're right. He does lead the team on in, in penalties with nine, and it's cost them I think uh, exactly a hundred yards. Uh, and then, um, you know, there were there were a couple again this this past Sunday. Um, but, yeah, that's the, that's the type of player he is. He's he's nasty. He mixes it up. Um, but but uh, at a certain point, that becomes um, 
you know selfish and you're you're doing the team more harm than than good uh you know and and he has had an up and down season you know you'll see times where he he can ragdoll uh defensive linemen in other moments uh you know they're they're running right past him you know so it, he's 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 been inconsistent especially for being uh the highest paid center in the league uh but it's it's really it's really those penalties that that have 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 killed the bucks and and that's that's what it seems to me uh, that that exchange was about on the sideline uh, on, on Sunday during the uh, the game against um, I'm, I'm, the I'm already forgetting who they played against the Saints, the Saints yeah. right? I mean, the, you know, the stakes are are high in that game. Uh, you know, the the Bucks, you know, however small it, it was, still had still have a, a chance at the playoffs, uh, and you know, it's a it's a division rival, of course. Um, but that 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 episode occurred right after I, I believe it was a, an unnecessary roughness uh, penalty uh, by um, by Jensen, and 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 see the thing with with Winston in my view that's that's a bit tricky this season is he's he's kind of got to walk a, a fine balance between being a leader uh, and uh, and and kind of just. Uh, you know, not not getting in guys' faces because he was suspended for three games earlier this season, and that's not on anyone but Jameis Winston. So, you know, you know, he's probably not in a place right now where where he can really call guys out, in my view. Uh, so, you know, I don't know that that's what what came up during that that exchange on the sideline, um, but. Uh, you know, Jameis, Jameis Winston's, uh, you know, like I said, he's, he's got to walk a fine balance there. And, you know, they said all the right things after, after the game, you know, we're, we're both competitors, you know, we're, we're brothers. We, we had it out and we moved on that kind of thing. So, um, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't expect that to be a, a an issue going forward, but um, you know, we, we are at, at the point in the season where, you know, the Bucks are, are five and eight, you know, things, things could be coming off the, the rails a little bit here with a, with a coach that's, uh, that's on the hot seat. We're speaking with Tom Basinger, who covers the Bucks for the Tampa Bay Times. Tom, with regard to Jameis, just last, one last question with him. Do you think the Bucks exercise that fifth year option? You know, uh, if, uh, if the season ended today, I'd, I'd say that they would, the, the organization, you know, has a has a lot invested in in Jameis Winston. I think they really uh, want to see this work out. Tampa Bay has never had uh, a quarterback play uh, uh, to to a second contract, so um, you know I, I think that they really want to see this thing work. Um, you know, you know they were they were burned by by the uh, the recent uh, allegations and, and and the fallout from that. Um, but again, you know, I think they, uh, people at the, the uppermost levels of the organization, uh, believe in, in Winston and, and he's, he's shown enough flashes on the football field to, to make you think that, uh, he might be a, a long-term answer, uh, you know, uh, maybe, maybe eventually be that, that face of the franchise. Staying with the Bucks offense, they are 10th in points, first in yards in the NFL. Talk about their strengths and weaknesses. 
Yeah, they, 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 yeah, no question. They put up a lot of points, a lot of yards. Some of that, though, is 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 because they're often playing from behind, you know. So they're they're trying to they're trying to catch up, um, you know. And it hasn't been until recently uh, where, uh, you know, they've been they've been getting early leads and and for the most part holding holding on to them. That 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 obviously didn't happen this past weekend with the Saints, uh, but and. It's it's mainly a a uh, the the success that they've had offensively is, is mainly due to the the, the passing game. Um, they are I, I'd, I'd call them one of the top ten uh, passing offenses uh, in the in the NFL. But a lot of that's you know they get they get a lot of their uh, yardage through the air. They're not a big yards after catch team. So if they're not hitting those those deep bombs, um, you know they, they they might struggle to score points. Uh, you know, and, and their run offense is is almost non-existent. Um, you know, they, you know the the run run blocking up front, especially on the right side, has been very poor this season. You know, Peyton Barber, uh, whether it's Peyton Barber or or Ronald Jones or Jaquiz Rogers, you know, these guys really have to fight and claw for every single inch on the ground. So, you know, a lot again, a lot of that, uh, a lot of their offensive success this year is, has has come through the air. And in order for them to to beat teams down the stretch here, is going to have to continue to be through the air as much as uh, they might want to establish the run. You know, I think establishing the run is 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 a lost cause at this point. Speaking of offense through the air. A guy who was a player that a lot of Ravens fans really liked in the draft in 2017. The Ravens chose Marlon Humphrey instead. It was a good choice. However, O.J. Howard was a guy a lot of fans wanted to see in Baltimore. Talk about his performances so far through one-plus seasons, and what do you see for him in the future? Well, yeah, you know, it, it's. Uh, I, I'm personally dis- disappointed that we don't get a chance to see him uh, down the stretch here because of, of foot and ankle injuries, landing him on the uh, the injured reserve. But before that was happening, before that happened, uh, you know, he was on the verge of of, uh, of a breakout season. I mean, his rookie season was was just okay uh, by by rookie season standards. But you know, to me, he was really emerging as as one of the next great. Uh, NFL tight ends, you know, and I think pretty soon here, uh, you know, I don't know whether this conversation's happening elsewhere, um, but in my mind, you know, soon we'll be talking about him like we're talking about guys like Rob Gronkowski today and maybe Travis Kelsey. You know, he's a tremendous weapon in the pass game. Uh, you can basically tell him he's such a size mismatch. You can basically tell him, hey, go out, be tall, and, and we'll, we'll get the ball to you. Um, you know, if there's one area where the Bucks would like him to improve, it, it might be run blocking. Uh, but other than that, you know, I'd, I'd say when healthy, he's he's arrived. He's he's already one of the NFL's best. And I think the Bucks were incredibly fortunate um, that that he fell to them at, at, at I believe it was 19. Um, you know, the, the Bucks, the, there was some conversation there that the Bucks were interested in in Dalvin Cook, the running back from Florida State, who's now with the Vikings. But I, I, don't, I don't think there's any question there that when uh, when O.J. Howard fell to them, they made they made the right call. And, and if there's one player, one or two players that I could only keep on this team going forward, uh, you know, O.J. Howard's uh, one of the first names that would come out of my mouth. Now, you know, with with Cameron Brait uh, in in uh, in for um, O.J. Howard right now, uh, you know, there's there's not much of a drop off in the past game. 
you know, he's caught 20 passes from Winston uh, since 2015, which is pretty pretty outstanding for for a tight end. That's an average of what five a five a season. They've got some pretty good chemistry there. So, uh, and and Brake caught a couple of touchdown passes this past Sunday against the Saints. So, um, you know, I I I that's one matchup I'd I'd watch for how uh, you know how the 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 Ravens defend uh, Cameron Brait. Tom, flipping over to the defensive side of the ball, kind of polar opposites in terms of results from offense to defense. The defense ranks 30th in points allowed, 27th in yards allowed. The Ravens are taking on that defense at M&T Bank Stadium this Sunday. Who are some of the guys that they should be aware of? Well, you know, that, that defense uh, is a – there's parts of it, especially in the secondary, that, that are young uh, of course, you've got uh, the uh, the veteran Brent Grimes out there, but outside of that, you have uh, Carlton Davis, Jordan Whitehead, MJ Stewart. Those were all guys that they drafted uh, this past April. Uh, so I think I think part of the reason why the defense struggled so early on, uh, early on so much, and uh, was because you know these these rookies were were kind of thrown into the fire. Uh, and and trying to find their footing, uh, and especially in today's pass happy NFL, uh, you know the the rules. If you're a defensive back, you know they're they're not in your favor. So um, so I think that's part of the reason why they they struggled. Uh, the pass defense uh, was so poor early on, uh, but but things are starting to come around, uh, especially uh, with the pass rush. Uh, Jason Pierre-Paul. Has, has proven to be worth uh, the third round pick that the the Bucks traded uh, to the Giants for him. Uh, he he leads the team, I believe, with eleven and a half sacks. Uh, but one guy to keep an eye on uh, that that might not be talked about elsewhere very much is uh, a guy that the the Bucks picked up before the start of the season when the Browns got him, and that's uh, that's Carl Nassib. Uh, he's, uh, he's, he's been a, a tremendous, uh, find for them, uh, and has maybe even, uh, taken some snaps away from, uh, Vinnie Curry, the free agent they signed in the off season and, and who's missed a few games because of injury. But, but Carl Nassib has been really disruptive as, as, has been harassing quarterbacks. You'll, you'll, you often see him, uh, uh, causing, causing havoc in the, in the backfield. Uh, so he's. Like I said, he's he's been a, a great find for them, and and even if uh, uh, you know a lot of uh, a lot of attention will be devoted to uh, JPP, but but Carl Nassib's a guy to guy to watch. Now, isn't he the guy that was the stock analyst and the investment analyst, financial planner for the Cleveland Browns during Hard Knocks? That's him. That's, That's the him. guy, the, the the star of Hard Knocks. <laughs> he was an interesting guy. So, Tom, shifting gears here, let's talk about the 5-8 and eight Bucks coming into this game. Playoff hopes are really hanging by a thread. Now, there are two types of teams that usually face that situation. Those that want to coast through the balance of the season and those that continue to play hard for their coach. Which of those two teams best describes the Tampa Bay Bucks right now? Yeah, I think, I think the Bucks are at a, a, are at a tipping point. You know that that loss this past weekend uh, was a was a really deflating one. They had a golden opportunity uh, to kind of actually, you know, given the the Vikings' loss uh, last night uh, on on Monday night, right? Uh, really, really had a chance to 
uh, you know, kind of get back into the conversation a little bit, as, as crazy as it seems. Um, but, you know, I haven't seen any signs of this team uh, quitting just yet. Uh, so I, I, I label them as, as uh, spoilers. Uh, you know, a couple weeks ago, you know, they they nearly broke the Panthers after they beat the Panthers. All of a sudden, everyone was speculating about Ron Rivera's job. Cam Newton was so distraught that he wore that leprechaun outfit to the post, post-game post press conference. So, you know, th- this team, uh, you know, is still clinging to the, the slim math- mathematical chance uh, that, um, that it can make the playoffs. Uh, it's not high, but it's not zero. So, uh, so I think that's, that's kind of going to be their mentality heading into this weekend. And I, I haven't seen any signs of them quitting on, on Dirk Cutter just yet. So speaking of this weekend, what has to happen? What has to go the Bucks' way for them to steal one from the Ravens? Well, it's it's uh, it's really simple and, and maybe maybe obvious, but uh, it's turnovers. They they live and die by them. Uh, you know, if they're not taking the ball away in bunches, uh, you know, they're they're not winning football games. And you know, that's really been the the key, uh, you know, to to their kind of late season surge here. You know, I. I I realize they, they lost last weekend, but part of the reason why they, they jumped out to that 14 to three lead at halftime was a couple of turnovers. And the, you know, they, they had a couple against the 49ers two weeks earlier, and then a, uh, I believe four against the Panthers the, the next week. So if, if they're not taking the ball away, they're, they're probably not winning this football game, especially against, uh, you know, uh, a Ravens defense that to me is 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 one of the better in the NFL. Maybe maybe a top five defense. So you're you're going to have to get some extra opportunities. So turnovers. What's your prediction, Tom? You know, I, I think I saw an eight point spread on this game that the Ravens were favored by eight. Yeah, that surprised yeah, me a little bit. Yeah, that that's that seems a little high to me. Um, you know. The, the Bucks play a lot of a lot of close games. Uh, I, you know, I expect uh, you know it's a little early in the week here, but my my guess would be that the the Bucks keep this one close, but the 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 Ravens hold on and, and win. There he is, Tom Basinger covers the Bucks for the Tampa Bay Times. Tom, thanks so much for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me on. Our pleasure, our pleasure. So we're going to take a quick time out. When we come back, we're going to go inside the castle, get the inside skinny from one winning drive with Todd Karpovich, who covers the team for Russell Street Report. Don't go away. Welcome back to the Russell Street Report. I'm Tony Lombardi. Joining us now via Skype and the Mobile One Hotline is Todd Karpovich. He covers the Baltimore Ravens for Russell Street Report. Todd, how are you? Hey, Tony. How's it going? I'm doing well, thanks. Hey, i got to ask you a personal question, Todd. Yes. When you cover the team, now I've talked to other guys in the media about this, and I can share with you how I, I'm, where I sit on this topic, but are you a fan of the team besides covering the team? Uh you got it's a tough balance you know it's uh 
I mean, I've, I've been a, I had a season ticket since 1999. We still okay. have them. I don't use them, obviously. Um, but, you know, I am from Baltimore, you know, so I do root, you know, for the hometown teams. But, yeah, I don't – it's a del, it's a delicate balance. But, yes, I mean, I, I, I do support the Baltimore teams. So you give up your season tickets. You let somebody else use them while you're in the nice, comfy confines of that nice press box <laughs> – Eating burgers, chicken, crab cakes, drinking whatever you want to your little heart's content. It's pretty busy in there. I don't do, uh, I don't okay. do a lot of eating. <laughs> All right, let's get down to it with the team. Lamar Jackson, he's injected a lot of excitement into the fan base and obviously to the, in the team. They look pretty excited during the, during the games and on the sideline, particularly after a win. They're 3-1 and one with Lamar behind center. Talk about how the team has responded to Lamar so far. They've rallied behind him. Um, in fact, um, you know, a lot of, Gus Edwards was talking about his leadership ability. You know, he's a rookie. Um, they, they're three and one behind him. The, the offense is energetic. It's a different team. Um, so they've really, they've really rallied behind him. Um, you know, the, the offensive line loves the running that they've been able to put together. They went from 22, I think, to number six in the league in rushing since Lamar Jackson began, began, was the starter. So the team has really rallied behind him, and he's put them in position to make the playoffs. So that's, that's all you can ask for. Do you sense a higher level of energy with the team than they had with Joe? Certainly. Yeah, certainly. Lamar brings a new energy. Um, you know, the way he, he just never know what he's going to do. His explosiveness, is, it, it's, it's dynamic. And the, and the players see that. And, they, um, you know, and also these long drives he's able to put together is keeping the defense off the field, you know, keeping them fresh. The offensive line loves the run block. Run block. So they, they really, it's, really, it's really been a good fit, I mean, for, for the team, especially during the stretch run. For the past five weeks, John Harbaugh has been very coy about naming a starting quarterback. This week is no different as they prepare to take on the Tampa Bay Bucks. Do you think that they'll use Joe Flacco, or can you envision a scenario where Joe Flacco is actually suited up, active for the game, but not the starter? I do see that scenario. I do know I've heard from several sources that you know that the locker room is behind Lamar to start on um, the players. This won't, you know, they, a lot of guys won't say it publicly. You know, I mean, Suggs came out and supported Joe Flacco, you know, to the media a couple a couple weeks sure. ago, um, but. Lamar has universal support of the locker room. Now, I, I don't think it'd be far-fetched to see Joe Flacco suit up and kind of, you know, kind of a role reversal where he comes in for a few plays and throws the ball downfield to John Brown with Lamar running the offense. However, that said, I don't know if Joe would be willing to do that. You know, maybe it's more prudent for Joe to go on the IR, reset, go into free agency next year and, and pick up a big contract and make sure you know he doesn't hurt his value. Now, full disclosure, Todd, I am a diehard Ravens fan, and I wear that phantom on my arm like a badge of honor. And it kills me sometimes when I have to cover the team on a Monday after a loss. So when I think back to 4th and 12 last year, losing to the Cincinnati Bengals, foregoing an opportunity to make it to the 2017 postseason dance, it kills me, and it happened all over again, almost with the same amount of pain when they took on yeah. the Kansas City Chiefs at Arrowhead. Fourth and nine, Todd. Now, Wink Martindale had done a great job the entire game sending the dogs after Patrick Mahomes. I think he was hit more times in that game than he's been hit all season long. And I think it was 14 quarterback hits. They sacked him, what, three times? Yeah. 
So when you take that into consideration that they were getting after him the entire game and on the most important play of the game, fourth and nine, you stop him, you win the football game. Todd, they sent four guys and one of them was Brandon Williams. Once again, yeah. as a fan, I lost my mind. Come on, man. Yeah. I just How do you explain that? I just don't understand it. They sent the thing is they had him. It was just a, a Harbaugh. What he said yesterday, it was a, it was kind of just a miraculous, miraculous kind of play. To be honest with you, so that's what I saw. And it was sort of a fluke play. I mean, he just kind of threw it up there, and somehow, you know, this receiver comes down with a forty-eight yard pass. Um, uh, you know, it, it was sort of a different situation than the Bengals uh, scenario because they were in zone there. You know, at least they went after the court. So it was just one of those fluke plays that wound up really costing it, you know, costing the game, I think. A play like that could cost the season. It could cost careers, Todd. It could cost John yes. Harbaugh his job if they don't make the playoffs. So we've talked about this before on this program, and I know it's been a couple of games since. The players continue to play hard for John. But I'll ask a two-part question. Number one, if John doesn't, if the Ravens don't make the, season, the postseason, is John fired? And can you see a scenario, the, other, the second part of the question, where they actually make the playoffs, but John still does not return in 2019? Well, when they were on that three-game losing streak, I thought that the, the, um, you know, the, the, it was pretty much sealed that Harbaugh would be looking elsewhere. You know, and you know, the voice gets old. And also, he, he, he's not afraid to do that either. He's going to make big money in, in, in the open market. I mean, I'm hearing the Jets really want to throw some big money at him. Um, that said, now they have the three-game winning streak. They won three out of four. Um, it seems played hard for him all season, you know. And then you have to look who, who's going to come in here and do a better job than John Harbaugh. You know, that's the thing. You know, the, um, there's a lot of talk about um, um, Josh McDaniels coming in because he really likes Lamar Jackson. And he's sort of, I don't say quarterback guru, but he thinks, I think, you know, he's, he's been impressed with Jackson and he can maybe – revitalize the offense, you know, more. And then, of course, there's Mike McCarthy. Um, but, again, is Mike McCarthy better than John Harbaugh? Who's out there that could be, you know, that's going to do a better job? So I think I think Bashai is going to take a really long look at this. And then, again, I just going to talk to John. Maybe, you know, maybe it's, maybe John Harbaugh wants to change. You know, maybe he wants to go somewhere where he has more of a voice in personnel decisions. You know, there's, there's, a, lot, there's a lot of intangibles there. Um, Ravens make the playoffs. I think they would they would offer him an extension. But, again, who knows, you know, what, what, what the owner's thinking. It could be one of those mutually parting of the ways where, you know, he says to himself, you know, I, I need to deliver my message to a new audience. And, and this has been 11 years. It's been a great run. And maybe he moves on. And, and Todd, the, the destination, you mentioned Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy couldn't win with Aaron Rodgers. I don't think he's going to win with Lamar Jackson. But that said, I think that John Harbaugh could be really interested in that Green Bay job. Like you said, he wants more authority. He wants a bigger say, a bigger role. And guess what? They don't have an owner. They have a president. Yeah, and the thing is, Harbaugh, I mean, Harbaugh gets, gets a lot of criticism, but he's sort of been handicapped with this roster. You know, he, he hasn't really been given playmakers. You know, I mean, he went into last year with, with Ryan Mallett as the training camp quarterback, you know. So I think I think that's really part of a part of, um, you know, what going forward what he wants to do. He, I think he wants, wants a little more say in his personnel and what he could do. And I don't know if he'll get that in Green Bay. You know, it's hard to say. And again, you know, um, Aaron Rodgers, you know, him and McCarthy butted heads. They're strong-willed guys. Harbaugh's the strongest-willed guy you're going to meet. So, you know, is that a good fit? 
That's true. Good points. And, you know, this the situation with John, it's an interesting situation. It's an interesting approach to looking at the offseason. You know, is it going to be Joe Flacco? Is it going to be John Harbaugh? But there's going to be a lot of change in the Ravens organization for 2019, whether they make the playoffs or not. Yeah, they need to get, they need to get younger anyway. They definitely need to get younger. Um, there's a lot of dead money in there. You know, Flacco's going, going to clear a lot of money off the books. They got some. They got a lot of guys over 30 years old. They need to get younger, and there's a lot of cap space. So they can, you know, they have, they have, uh, the cost is going to have a lot of flexibility his first year in. So I think there's, there's going to be uh, – it's going to be a different Ravens team next year. You know, and, and again, though, this, this if they don't make the playoffs, you know, and then they finish, you know, with nine wins, eight wins, they're still in the middle of the pack with the draft. You know, and that's kind of – that's kind of hurt them over, over the past couple of years, it being, you know, that, that 17, 18 pick. You know, you really want to get a high pick or you want to win, you know, and kind of be – you know, or win, you know. So um, – but again, they're going to be able to free up a lot of money. I think you're going to see a lot of changes in the offseason with the Baltimore Ravens. Speaking with Todd Karpovich, who covers the Baltimore Ravens for Russell Street Report. Todd, with respect to the draft war room, you mentioned draft picks. I've been hearing things that speak to the, I'll say it's somewhat of speculation, but I've heard it from a couple of different people, that Steve Bishotti really wanted the Ravens to draft offensive players last season when they were on the clock in 2018. Are you hearing anything like that? Because the obvious pick there, and to me it was an obvious Raven pick, and I've been beating this like a dead horse. Derwin James playing for the San Diego yeah. Chargers could have been a Baltimore Raven, but because the, the team wanted to emphasize offense, perhaps in part to appease a fan base that said they desperately needed it and needed playmakers, they still went offense, but they still didn't get that playmaker. Hayden yeah, Hurst. Yeah, you're right. you're, Hayden Hurst you're has right done about, absolutely nothing. What's he got? Seven catches for less than a hundred yards. Yeah, and you're right about the Derwin James. They would have been perfect. And they, they, the, the best tight end they drafted in the third round. You know, on the right. roster. You know, um, I don't know. I, I guess that was sort of the thinking. You know, and I know the owner wanted Lamar Jackson. I know that was that came from upstairs. Um, that pick. And that was, you know, that might wind up being a steal where they got him. But, yeah, I think there was a movement toward getting offensive players. And, they, you know, they, they might have dropped the – you know, you can't really evaluate the draft for a couple of years. Um, this is but, true. again, you know, Mark Andrews has outplayed Hayden Hurst. And they got Mark Andrews in, what, the third round? Yeah, and Hayden Hurst wasn't even given – he wasn't even targeted against the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, and he, has, he wasn't even – I mean, he wasn't rated as the best tight end in the draft. Right. So, okay, so the Ravens are hosting the Tampa Bay Bucks at M&T Bank Stadium this Sunday. They are listed, Todd, a surprising eight-point favorite against the Bucks. How do you see this thing playing out? I think the Ravens, I think the Ravens covered that spread. Okay. Um, I think the Bucks quit. Um, they're going to come in here. It's going to be cold. They're not playing for anything. The Ravens have everything in front of them. So I think the Ravens dominate that game. Um, interesting game is, you know, Thursday night is Kansas City-San Diego. If uh, – Kansas City wins that game, they wrap up the West, and San Diego is pretty much locked into that fifth wild card spot. Correct. So how much did he bring to the Ravens on that Saturday night? That's going to be the big game. The Ravens can win that game, then they're going to be in a great position to make the postseason. Yeah, that will be collapse against the Browns in a final. It will be an interesting game, Todd, with respect to the char- if the Chargers do lose on Thursday night and they're locked into that fifth slot in the postseason dance. They've got nothing to play for. It'll be interesting to see how they play it out for the rest of the season. If that was game 16 and not 15, maybe they call off the dogs and the Ravens can get a, a gimme there. But it'll be interesting to see how it plays out on December 22nd on Saturday night when the Ravens take on the Chargers. Yeah, and if, 
At least if the Chargers beat the Chiefs, though, they got everything in front of them. That's going to be a tough game. Right. Right. Here it goes. Todd Karpovich covers the Baltimore Ravens for Russell Street Report. Todd, thanks for joining us. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. We're going to take a quick time out. When we come back, we'll recap the show and talk about it next week. Don't go away. Like 33rd Street was to Colt fans, Russell Street will become legendary for future generations of Raven fans. Not only is Russell Street the team's address on Sunday, it's now home to the website voted Baltimore's best five years in a row. You've known them as Ravens247.com for years, and now you'll love them as RussellStreetReport.com for many more. There's nothing else like it for Baltimore football fans. Trust me, RussellStreetReport.com. Baltimore's home for football 24-7. Thanks for joining us today on the Russell Street Report. Be sure to check us out on RussellStreetReport.com. I'd also like to thank Tom Basinger from the Tampa Bay Times, as well as Todd Karpovich, who covers the Ravens for Russell Street Report. Be sure to subscribe to Fanimal Radio on iTunes and YouTube. Also follow us on Russell Street Report on Twitter at Russell Street Report, as well as myself at RSR Lombardi. But before we leave you, we'd like to share an interesting picture, which in a twisted way captures the essence of being a Ravens fan at this time. On behalf of all of us at Russell Street Report and Fanimal Radio, thanks for tuning in. Join us next week as we visit with the Chargers beat writer and Harley Sherman, who covers the Ravens for Pro Football Focus. Until then, enjoy your week, everyone, and happy holidays.